Welcome back, everybody, to today's edition of the AP Sports Theory Podcast. I am Aaron Palsgrove. Joining me, as usual, is Ryan Wright. Ryan, say hello. Hello, hello. That's Ryan. We're going to break down today, yesterday's action of NFL games. It is currently Monday, November 28th, around 3.30 in the afternoon. And following up that breakdown of the NFL games, we're going to do a quick rundown of the current standings in the MVP race, broken into tiers, ranked by yours truly and also Ryan. Um, Some movements along Ryan's draft boards and get him to talk about some NFL things and get you all out of here after the usual Philly sports shakedown. Before we start, remember, follow all of our social media. Please do it. It's great. It's fun. We're going to try and post some more on there, get some more content, get some more stuff going on the Twitter and the Instagram at AP Sports Theory or email us and we'll talk about it here on the show at apsportstheory at gmail.com. As always, like to, we want to remind you to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or Anchor.com. We're going to work on getting it on Apple and Google Podcasts, but for now it's just on Spotify and Anchor. Go like, rate, review, subscribe. Get us those numbers. Get us on the charts. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get to it here on AP Sports Theory. Welcome back, everybody. All right, it is still Monday, November 28th. The NFL games happened yesterday. There were a lot of them. A couple on Thanksgiving, but we're going to focus on the ones from yesterday because they're fresh. They're new. Let's get to it. Josh Jacobs and your Raiders, Mr. Ryan Knight, fan of the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, so first of all, I want to preface with the fact that Patrick Graham can stay in Seattle for all I care. The fact that we gave up 34 points to the Seahawks, pitiful. So... That, that that that's that's my preface. Second off, congrats to the Raiders for managing to put the offense together and get forty points against the Seahawks. Seahawks have not been a great team defensively uh, this year. Uh, throughout the game, we saw some ups and downs. Uh, it was kind of you push and you give. But the big highlight of this game was, in fact, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs went off uh, for fantasy owners, but he said, "Frick your." fantasy teams back in 2019, uh, but as of November 27th of 2022, Josh Jacobs went off for 33 cra- carries uh, for 229 yards on the ground, which included two touchdowns, uh, and also uh, that does include his 86-yard overtime run. Uh, he also had six receptions for 74 yards, which matched Devontae Adams' stat line, Uh and was extremely effective against the Seahawks. So he had over 300 scrimmage yards and was uh, the leading franchise record as of this date. So Josh Jacobs is setting records for the Raiders in a year where they're now sitting at 4-7 and seven with a top-10 pick still. Uh, Seahawks not able to get Kenneth Walker going uh, a ton. Kenneth Walker had uh, only two touchdowns on 14 carries with 26 yards. So I, I really give credit to the Raiders' defensive line. They uh, managed to keep Geno Smith uncomfortable at times. The Raiders' secondary didn't look as good. Rocket Sin, who was one of the Raiders' best corners this year, performed under underperformed. Uh, Sam Webb was still giving up completions, also gave up uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Trayvon Morig was in there, but he was he was doing all right. Deron Harmon making his presence known, sitting that strong safety. So the Raiders secondary really needs to get it together. But the Raiders defensive line, whoo, Max Crosby, he he's he's back in my defensive player of the year candidates. Like Ma- Max Crosby yeah. is so good. Do we have to keep doing this? If you watch the film, Max Crosby is one of the best players at the defensive end position. I will. I will watch the film, and I will get back to you and tell you, yes, he's one of the best, but no, he's not deep boy. Josh Jacobs today, according, this is from Stat... Yesterday, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, StatMuse. So, you're right. It was yesterday. StatMuse says today, which is why I said today, Josh Jacobs yesterday, 33 carries, 229 yards rushing, 303 total yards, two touchdowns, only the fifth running back in NFL history with 300 total yards and two touchdowns in the game. Fifth. He's gonna there's, a, there's been a lot of good running backs. And I would not be surprised if the Raiders franchise tag him because, yes, he, he's going to be a free agent. So if you franchise tag him and you're like, okay, like 
I don't see a world where Josh McDaniels pays a running back multi-millions of dollars to uh, run a committee. Yes, he got Zamir White in there. Yes, he got uh, Amir Abdullah in there. Amir Abdullah had the first touchdown in the entire game. So I, I think they are probably looking at a, a tag and trade. I, I'm not really sure, but I, I think a tag and trade scenario would work out for the Raiders. Uh, they could probably get quite a significant uh, turnaround um, in draft picks. They're probably looking at the second right now. Uh, Josh Jacobs keeps performing like this. He, he, he might very well get a first. Josh Jacobs is the running back two on the year um, behind Austin Eckler. With in, This is in fantasy. Running back two in averaging points, 22 average points Per game average, wow, English, 22 points per game. That's his average in fantasy, which is 242.4 total fantasy points, which is just 13 less than Austin Eckler, who is sitting at 1.2 more points per game. But the fact that Jacobs is was so – like we knew how good he was, right? He's, he's still young, but he was so unheralded coming into this season – because people were like, oh, why are they playing him in the Hall of Fame game? Why do they have more well, special teams? I, no, I think part of that was because of the offensive line. People thought the Raiders' offensive line would be one of the worst in the leagues, and they're, in fact, top 15. Right. They're pretty. They're they're okay. They're above average. Yes. But the all signs pointed to Jacobs just fading into non-existence and to just away, just fading away. And now he's sitting there at number two, and Fanny owners have to feel good. I remember I was sitting at draft night at my friend's place, and he took Josh Jacobs. And as soon as he took Josh Jacobs, I was like, that was a dumb pick. He goes, why? And um, then I, I, said, I said, well, because of all these things, I, I just laid out on the podcast where how Josh, Josh Jacobs is was playing in the Hall of Fame game. He was, looks like the third string back. He's not getting enough practice in training camps. He was running with the special teamers. And then he took the guy anyways. And then now we're sitting there. And it looks like one of the best picks in our entire league. It's just Josh Jacobs just came out of nowhere. He's f- forced his way into the MVP conversation with a fury. And it's just, it's so fun to see. There hasn't been a guy who's, do you know, um, do you know the last running back to have like this level of fantasy production out of this like level of non-expectancy? Devonta Freeman in his year for the Falcons. Okay, Devonta Freeman. I do not <laughs> want to hear Devonta right. Freeman being compared to Josh Jacobs. Devonta Freeman was a entirely different tier of running back. I also just want to say in non PPR scoring, so standard scoring, Josh Jacobs is running back number one over Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and then Austin Eckler. But PPR he falls to number two because of receptions. Let's stop with the. Josh Jacobs love for for now. We'll come back to that when we talk about MVPs later on. But we got to move on and talk about um another running back. Who the, but this one happens to wear number one and play the quarterback for our Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I was a little <laughs> surprised by this. I actually sat Jalen Hurts in favor of Geno Smith. Geno oh, Sm- you poor soul. Well, Geno Smith still got me 20. Yeah, but Jalen had 30. Jalen did have 30. Uh, I, But mu- much too... People would disagree with this. The Packers' defense is not bad. Like that, they are. They are good. Their inf- uh, interior defensive lines maybe not as they good. They have good pieces, but the pieces are not being brought together right. And it also seemed like they did not watch any film on Jalen coming into this week. They gave him light boxes all night, all night. All he had to do was well, wait, they were, stand back were, in the pocket, wait for the hole to open in between Johnson or Kelsey or Johnson and Dickerson and Kelsey and Malata, and he just ran right through it. Well, and they that's were how running single-high free safety, so they're kind of like daring him. They're like, right. throw the ball. Yeah, but he just like he just said, just no. No, why would I do that? They gave him light boxes all night. And he still managed to carry this game. Jalen Hurts was setting records uh, for mm-hmm. the Eagles franchise. He set an Eagles quarterback rushing record with his uh, 157 yards on the ground, which was the fifth highest total in a game in league history, regular season or postseason. Uh, and I saw the last time, uh, let's see, 
The Eagles quarterback also went 16 of 28 and threw for two touchdown passes, becoming the first player in NFL history to throw for 150 yards and two touchdowns and rush for 150 yards Mm -hmm. in a regular season game since Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Also against the Packers. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Four quarterbacks have done this all time. Uh, I saw it on it was a it was a graphic at the end of the game on NBC and it was Kaepernick. It was the funny part was that Kaepernick and Hertz both did this against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean we we can stay on the Aaron Rodgers discussion real quick. Aaron Rodgers uh, going into this game had a broken thumb and he later exited with a rib injury, which caused Jordan Love to take over. Jordan Love. And his very first drive had a 63-yard touchdown to Christian Watson. Thoughts? Concerns? Praises? Are we ever going to see Aaron Love? Or, wow, Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform? I, I've already seen... All right, I, I'm on uh, a lot of different platforms, so I, I see lots of different rumors. I've already seen Aaron Rodgers to uh, Oakland, well, Las Vegas. I really just say oh. it's okay. You just you're still sad. Um, Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders would not be like disappointing. Like having one of the best quarterbacks just, of all time would be like the, amazing. The him and Devontae Adams I'm conversation about would be the injury it, history. But the Rodgers Adams conversation would just be so funny. Watching hearing how that all goes, and I heard uh, on the Ringer NFL Fantasy Show they were talking about. Um, I think it was Danny Heifetz who said. That they just needed to redo the trade at the deadline. They just need to send Devontae Adams back to Green Bay, send the picks back to uh, Las Vegas, and just redo the trade, and everybody would have been happier. I don't know if they would have been happier because I wasn't. I wasn't particularly happy at who was available at the end of the first round. Yeah. So I'm not like disappointed with how it turned out. I, I think the Raiders got a steal, and in, in my opinion, uh, Devontae Adams will. Absolutely surpassed a thousand yards. Some people didn't think he would even meet the mark. Yeah. So I, I think it worked out for both parties. I mean, Packers got Quay Walker in the deal, so that they apparently love the young player. Uh, he got hurt last night. He looked really good though. As for a rookie, uh, there was a play that Chris Collinsworth was talking about how Quay Walker tracked Jalen from the left edge all the way over to the right sideline and just ran all the way down to pull him down before he could get the first. And it was a really impressive play and a big show of speed by the rookie. I think it's so funny. So many fans hate Chris Collinsworth. Like, I literally saw a sign in the end zone that said, we're only here so we don't have to listen to Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> I genu- I like what he has to say. I think I learned something when he did. I think, I think he's intelligent. Like, in his, uh, he brings a level to the game where the viewers are like, okay, like, I'm, I'm actually learning something, like you yeah. said. But I, I think some of his takes I might disagree with. I, I'm I'm not too sure. Some of my favorites to listen to is Romo, but he's been off lately. He he hasn't been the same for a few seasons. Well, that's because like, he's not like guessing the plays like yeah, he, he did. A he's, few he's slowed he's it like, down. All right, play action here. Uh, Dak Prescott is just gonna take it and go. Yeah. No, I like uh, Greg Olson. I like what he has to say because it's nice to hear a tight end in the booth, and I, that position is underheralded. But when it comes to color commentators, there's not the crazy good slew of them that there used to be but Collinsworth is a breath of fresh air when I get to hear him on the birds game which is kind of a strange statement to say out loud but yeah the the Packers kind of just fumbled I guess in this game no uh, AJ Brown did they AJ Brown did fumble every time but every I, single time he would catch the ball and just keep running I was screaming from my couch get down get down fall please just fall and he refused to he just wanted to keep going and that's how he fumbled it Twice in the last two weeks. He's fumbled that way. It's all right. I, I mean, the, you still got the dub. Uh, I don't think A.J. Brown is, is really taking that to heart. Uh, what I'm really worried about is C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I am too. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson did go down. Uh, the Eagles have a slew of injuries now. Um, Reed Blankenship did come in for the game. Uh, Reed he actually up and down led game. in tackles in this game. Did he really? He did. Oh. Uh, so he also had that pick uh, late, later in the game when C.J. Gardner-Johnson went down. I think the stats are a little overinflated for Blankenship. Um, who I may have I told you the story about how how I first learned about him? I don't know. Okay, so I, you were sitting in the band. You we were both in the Liberty Marching Band last season. We were sitting at the end zone, and 
Blankenship came and his team came to Liberty, and his they were backed up to our end zone, so we could see the na- the nameplates of the defenders as Liberty was about to score. When did Middle Tennessee come to last season? Something? Last season, oh. yeah, either last season or the season before that. But he, the entire band, looked up his name, and we were screaming it in unison. Cassidy was on the podium, and she like conducted us, and we yelled Blankenship in unison. And eventually, he, he like turned around and looked at us, and we were all really proud of ourselves until we got yelled at by the by the booth to be quiet because we were being rude. But that's how I learned his name, and then I was like, wait, this guy's on the Eagles now? It was just a f- weird full circle moment. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But he had, I think his stats were a little overinflated. He did have, oh, he got burnt by Christian Watson. Him and Marcus Epps. I, I don't like Marcus Epps. I, 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 I genuinely hope that they get uh, a safety soon. Yeah. Um, I haven't really looked at the safety free agent market recently. Uh, and there's not a ton in the draft that I would be like, okay, yeah, this this guy would be great. So I I hope they can fix position uh, when, in due time. When Gardner Johnson comes back, would you move Blankenship to Epps' position and put CJ where Blankenship was last night? Just promote Reed over Marcus? Mm, I think Reed does. Because Epps plays, Epps plays a more... Of a strong safety role, then... Epps is the strong safety. Yeah. So Reed, Reed would come in uh, for the strong safety position behind Epps. So I think if Epps does leave, uh, which I think he is set to, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, uh, that that would... <laughs> Reed Blankenship and C.J. Gardner-Johnson would not be a, a bad secondary. I'm, wor- I'm worried that it was beginner's luck, but I'm not positive that it was. Also, I didn't see Robert Quinn at all. I didn't either. But I, to be honest, it's whatever. Because we, we're getting a lot out of Linval Johnson and Ndamukong Sue. And those, yeah. those are looking great. Um, along with that, Jordan Davis has had to come back this week. He came through the tunnel. He was at warm-ups. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it goes. Um, let's see. Marcus Epps is on the books. for an un- He's a unrestricted free agent next season. So they have every possibility to move Blankenship into that starting role. Next season? Yeah. So after the conclusion of this season, he will be a free agent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's gone after this year. So, But so is Chauncey. So we'd have they'll, to... They'll resign. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on from the birds. Uh, we'll talk more about them when it comes to the Philly Sports Shakedown. Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow, I just blanked on that. I okay. Was like, what? Yeah, just totally forgot the team. They were hosting the Baltimore Ravens, and they won. Um, (laughs) 28-27, Justin Tucker missed the game-winning field goal that was from 67 yards. Trevor Lawrence had a career day. One of the best seasons in the NFL, one of the best games in the NFL this season. He was 29 for 37, only eight incompletions. He was 321 passing yards with an 8.7 average, three touchdowns, zero interception, got sacked four times, whatever, and had a 129 passer rating. An incredible day from the second-year player who seems to be coming into his own. He was fired up, heated, leading that team through everything Baltimore could throw at them. I mean, you kind of have to lead when Travis Etienne goes down hurt. True, but he did. He stepped up in a big moment and took over, and that's, and they won. He threw the perfect ball on the two-point conversion to Zay Jones, and it was a really, really, really good game from Trevor Lawrence. I'm really impressed by him and Doug Peterson. They, first off, the balls to go for two in the end there. Big day for going for two guys. Brandon Staley, Doug Peterson, a lot of big wins from going for two. And you see the Raiders keep losing when they go for two against the Chiefs. Like Everything's about the Raiders. Some, some people can't have their ways. Travis uh, uh, Travis Etienne got two carries, and then he got hurt. Much of Michael Hasty came in and was not any good. Neither was Snoop Connor, who came in and was yeah. the secondary back. The Travis Etienne injury really screwed up my fantasy lineup, so I was, I was not thrilled at all. <laughs> um... 
the receivers for Jacksonville, Zay Jones took over 11 receptions on 14 targets, which is five more than the next most, which is Christian Kirk. 145 yards on a 13.2 average, no touchdown for the poor man. But he did get the winning two-point conversion on a perfect ball from Trevor Lawrence. Great game from Jacksonville. Um, Lamar went 50% exactly from the field. He had a good ga- good day rushing, 14 carries, 89 yards, longest of 12. I just, what's up with the Ravens? I think uh, Harbaugh's had struggles, uh, especially in the defensive uh, side of the field. The, the secondary has not looked like the secondary we all know and loved from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, they rebranded themselves to the no-fly zone, and that has not looked like the no-fly zone at all. In fact, it was looking like the please-fly-me-OBJ zone. Get it? Because OBJ got kicked off. The kick, that was bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so it's a good thing I'm not a comedian. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, the, the Ravens have not looked good defensively. I think that's the biggest issue. Offensively, I, I think uh, you have a promising tight end in Isaiah Likely. I think the O-line has had some issues. Um, obviously, J.K. Dobbins not being uh, healthy the entire year has led to um, this. Gus Edwards only had uh, 16 carries for 52 yards. So I think you get J.K. Dobbins back, you get O-line healthy and good to go. Uh, you get a wide receiver that not named Rashad Bateman uh, that can stay healthy, and the Ravens' offense is one of the best in the league. So, interesting thing. You were talking about the no-fly zone, and then you made the bad OBJ joke, but we're going to move on from that. We're, I won't bring it up ever again, I promise. Please. All right, well, Jacksonville beat the Ravens. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is great. Ravens look rough. We'll see if they can turn it around. They're 7-4, and four, so they have a playoff spot right now, but it's going to be interesting to see how that ends up. I think they lose it. They lose their playoff spot entirely? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll talk more about well, that. I'm a college student, yeah. What do I know? Just like, just like the Hugh Freeze situation. Uh, we'll talk about that later, too. <laughs> do you really want to talk about Hugh Freeze? No, I don't, but we probably uh, should. Un- unfiltered Hugh Freeze conversation? <laughs> Again, I-, I called this, I think, eight weeks ago. Maybe it was like seven. But I said Hugh Freeze either will leave, get fired, or uh, he needs to be fired. Uh I heard a rumor from uh, our buddy Elijah. You know, you know Red. You know Eli. Eli Red. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He told me in the hallway that he heard that Hugh um, talked to the team before the game and announced to them, "Hey, I'm I'm moving. I'm, this will be my last season here at Liberty." I, I'm not surprised, and I, I think it was before the Wake Forest game that I actually said this: that Hugh Freeze is not the coach that Liberty needs. Yes, he brought Liberty to a completely different level. Of football, but I think there are so many assistant coaches on that team alone that would be better than Hugh Freeze right now. Currently, just just on our team alone, yeah. not not even like looking at other like teams and like where the coaching carousel like will actually like end up. But just on our team alone, there's assistant coaches. I'm like, yeah, he would do a better job than Hugh Freeze. We'll come back to that uh, right before the Philly Sports Shakedown. We'll talk about Hugh Freeze and more about what that means for Liberty as Liberty students. Um, but the Ravens are sitting at seven and four, tied with the Bengals in the AFC North, and the playoff picture for the AFC is really, really intriguing. KC, 9-2, and two, they're in. Miami is 8-3. and three. I think they can win their division over Buffalo, but it's going to be an interesting conversation for sure. And then Tennessee has their division on lock, and then the last division is the AFC North, and whoever loses that still has the wild card. But the best division in the AFC is the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets all sitting in the AFC East. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes and who can make it in. The NFC is a lot less interesting, but we'll talk about that more later. But speaking of the Jets, Zach Wilson got benched for what, I don't know if it was for what he said or his play, but he got benched. Robert Sala took him out. Uh, He looked like Anakin Skywalker on the sidelines. If you don't know what I mean by that, just look it up. Just Zach Wilson, Anakin Skywalker. Just look it up right now. I'll give you time. All right, if you found the meme, you can go ahead and laugh. I'm hilarious. Anyways, the Mike Waite came in for Zach Wilson. Mike Waite? Mike, what, what did I say? Wake. 
Wake? I thought I said white. You said wake. I said white. No, you said like wake as in like wake forest, not like white as in Walter White. Michael White came in for Zach Wilson. His real name. I don't. It's Mike White. Mike White came in for Zach Wilson, the second-year quarterback, and he uh, looked unstoppable. Had one of the best games this season from a quarterback. Had a has three passing touchdowns, which is it just it have more than Zach Wilson has had in all season. Recent memory. Yeah. And it's just wasn't it's, Nathan Peterman set to start? He was, and then they pulled it back. But that was for Trevor Simeon and the Bears. Peterman was set to start for the Bears and not the Jets. Nathan Peterman is on the Bears. Right. What? What do you mean what? I he, said Nathan wasn't Nathan Peterman set to start. He was, and then they pu- pulled it back, and Trevor Simeon started instead. Yes. Yes. We're saying. I the don't same know thing. why you throw in the Jets there. <laughs> what do you mean? I I didn't say the Jets. You said, oh, dude, we could play this back. <laughs> Let's not do that now. Um, Mike Waite comes out, winks winks at the sideline and winks at the camera, goes 22 for 28, 315 yards and three touchdowns. The Mike Waite <laughs> owns New York. It's incredible. A- after Zach Wilson losing the locker room, obviously uh, there's frustration, especially in the wide receiver room. Elijah <laughs> Moore got his first touchdown of the year, and it – wasn't supposed to be a touchdown. It, there was like 30 yards yeah. after the catch, like overexpected. Uh, it was a 42-yard touchdown. Yeah, so I, I think that Mike White will be the starting QB for the rest of the season. Stephen A. Smith has even said now that he doesn't want to see Zach Wilson for the rest of the year, and I'm not too opposed to that. I'm not either. Uh, Zach Wilson definitely needs to get his game together. Uh, I did not like uh, that this past week Booger, what Booger McFarland said about Zach Wilson. I don't either, but I also don't want to get into that. Respect. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I don't want to... I think the controversy of the Booger, Steve Young, RG3 conversation... I, I love that RG3 just stayed out of it. Like I, he, he was just RG3 is one of my favorite guys on, he, on he, he media right now. He was smart to say out of it. We're having a lot of uh, media discussion today, talking about people in media. Yeah, yeah. Chris Collins, right? Yeah, RG3, that's right. So uh, Mike White comes in for Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson was horrible in last week's game to the point where the players were chanting "Free E," Elijah Moore, and Elijah Moore today had two targets, but they yesterday, yeah, yeah, yesterday, two targets for two receptions, sixty-four yards and a touchdown, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten skill positions had at least one reception for the New York Jets. It was an incredible game for Mike White. He literally shared the ball to everybody, but his favorite target, Garrett Wilson. What a man. <laughs> Chris Olave so is still good. better than Garrett Wilson, so okay, I, I can't say Okay, why does this anything. have to always be a competition? Why does this always have to be a competition between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? Like, the, because they were one and two. They just were, just they were let them have nice things. at Ohio State. Just let them have nice things. Garrett Wilson was great. Two touchdowns, 95 yards on, the, on eight targets and five receptions. He was great. Just let that happen. There's no comparison. There's no nothing. It was a great day. We, I will still compare him to Chris Olave that's for fine. the rest of his career. That's fine. Just not right now. Just give him the day. I, I will give him the day because Chris Olave did not have a day. Oh, my gosh. If I'm on this podcast solo next week, you know what happened. <laughs> um, let's move on away from the Jets. Uh, we got one more ca- one more thing to talk about that we're going to move on to the MVP. Uh, Kyler Murray comes out after the Arizona game, and to quote this, uh, schematically, we were kind of effed. I that's not word for word because I'm not going to say that on the pod. But um, how I, well how I take this as a viewer of the National Football League. I think, uh-oh. This is interesting. We have a friend standing behind our uh-oh. door. And uh, he's holding up a sign that says, Auburn just hired Hugh. So I'm looking this up. Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, yeah, eight minutes ago. Tigers finalizing deal to bring in Liberty Football Head Coach. Oh, Sports my Illustrated. gosh. This is, is going to cause a knuffle. Oh, jeez. Uh oh. Oh no. Um so as we were recording, we had a friend standing behind a 
our glass door to our studio that we're borrowing in a radio station. And he held up a sign on his phone that just said, Auburn just hired Hugh. Talking about Hugh Freeze. Oh, no. It's <laughs> almost like the cards were just dealt that way. Oh, my gosh. Who 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 called it? Uh, Not Ryan Wright. I know oh, that absolutely. for sure. Not Ryan Wright. Um, let, 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 Let's talk about the Chargers and Cardinals, and then we can yeah, come we'll, back we'll to come this back as, to you as, as you research. So... The Chargers, I, I've not been a fan of Brand, uh, Brandon Staley, but I've also not been a fan of Cliff Kingsbury. I think with this game, Cliff Kingsbury is inching closer and closer to being unemployed and sitting on the couch for the rest of his life. So, uh, obviously, Kyler Murray is unhappy with how the situation is being handled. Uh, he thinks that uh, the locker room has been lost to Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, schematically-wise, like you said, uh, things are just not adding up. DeAndre Hopkins only had four receptions for a hundred uh, or for eighty-seven yards, not hundred, um, and one touchdown. So I think the Chargers really just got away with one here. Um, they didn't, did uh, they? Because I, it was it's less that they escaped and more of that the two-point conversion was it was the, a good the, call. The two-point conversion was uh, did work in their favor. Yes, I think that in the end, if they uh, went. To play on in overtime, I think they still would have won. Um, the Cardinals, uh, they'd become very stagnant after the end of the second quarter. Um, they only got one touchdown, and that was, uh, yeah, almost end of the third. Uh, then punt, 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 end of game. So I'm not uh, terribly mad with how the Chargers uh, played Justin Herbert. I still feel like is being limited on how he uh performs really uh he was the leading rusher on the team uh that day uh he had 38 yards on the ground versus Austin Eckler's 20 so I think the biggest picture here is like what I said Cliff Kingsbury is most likely going to be gone at the end of the season I don't think they're going to fire him mid-season it's kind of late at this point uh Cardinals are sitting at four and eight they're not absolutely out of a playoff spot right now Obviously, everyone's counting them out, but mathematically, they could still get in. Yeah. Realistically, doesn't happen. No, because they're in a conference with two teams that are poised to make a good, like, both the Seahawks and, oh, geez, I'm blanking. I got to stop blanking. My brain is not working today. It's so sad. The Seahawks and the Niners, thank you for not helping me at all. You're, You're the worst. I was just leaving you like a little hangman. Yeah, no, that was kind of... Let, left out to dry. The Seahawks and the Niners are going to make the playoffs. Seahawks will probably take the wild card from the NFC East team that we mentioned yeah. earlier. Josiah is so happy right now. <laughs> he, he's just smiling. That's so funny. We'll, we'll come back to the Hugh Freeze news right before we go to MVP tiers because we got to talk about it. But So it's San Francisco, then the Niners in the NFC, and um, in the NFC West, excuse me. San Francisco and the Seahawks. San Francisco and the Niners are the same team, believe it or not. But the Cardinals are not, they don't have a shot. They got beat by the Chargers. It was just a rough, rough, rough game. As Kyler said, schematically, they were effed. Cliff Kingsbury needs to be gone uh, yesterday. We're going to take a quick break after this word from Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer, which I'm doing right now. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. I'm broke. I use Anchor all the time. I'm using it right now. It's amazing. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, y'all, welcome back. While y'all were listening to that ad, we were discussing Hugh Freeze, looking up some research. For those who don't know, me and Ryan are both students here at Liberty University, which means we follow the football team. We are in the know on a few things. And Hugh Freeze, who came to Liberty four years ago, is leaving after becoming one of the highest paid coaches in NCAA history, the highest paid non-Power 5 coach in the NCAA 
He turned this program around and now he's gone. Auburn just hired him officially after a bunch of rumors came out yesterday before the Liberty game. What does this mean for the program? Uh, I I think that he was someone that Liberty needed at the time, Mm -hmm. someone to elevate them to the next level. He did just that. He brought in Malik Willis. He brought in an offense with DeMario Douglas. Uh, I mean, he had Ganey Golden for a year. So I think that Hugh Freeze uh, has done his job and now it's time to move on. I think there have been some mistakes that he's made this year, um, especially against Wake Forest, against Tech. There, there are countless uh, instances, I guess you could say, where uh, I would have uh, personally made uh, different decisions. Uh, that's no nab at his coaching style. Uh, that's just a nab at his decision-making. I think that he is a great coach, uh, I just think that it was time for Liberty to move on to bigger and better, uh, someone else who could uh, bring in uh, newer recruits. Uh, I, I think that with the transfer portal coming up, we will see some transfers out of Liberty. Uh, I hope to see some big names coming in once we know who the next coach is, uh, but I, I doubt uh, it'll be uh, anyone on the current staff. I, I want it to be. Um, I, I have some... Cr- uh, current favorites on the uh, assistant coaches staff, but I, I think we will bring in someone new uh, that is Christian and ultimately values uh, the same thing as uh, same things as Liberty does. It's gonna be really interesting to see how the program changes and adjusts in this period. We uh, we sorry, Liberty is set to join CUSA in the fall. Yeah, which do you think that played a factor? Like, I mean, just it's a, adjusting we, to the new we talked about this. We, I don't know if I talked about this with you or with someone else, but it, he might not want to go into a conference with lesser competition than what Liberty's facing now as an independent. And in the SEC, he's going to have the hardest challenge in college football. And Yeah, the, the conference for – or not the conference, the future schedule for Liberty, I've looked at it. It's terrible. Right. It's it, so – It's, it's bad. But – Like we don't play Tech until 2027, and then we play them for like four or five years straight. But like – even that, like, that's not good. It's just... We played JMU in, like, 2033 or something. Right. Like, there, there's no one on our schedule I'm looking forward to going to a Liberty game for. Uh, to put it plain and simple. Yeah. I, I, I think part of that falls on the athletic director, though. No, yeah, Ian McCall, let, I feel like we pulled the trigger way too early on joining a conference, but we're not here to talk about conferences. We're talking about Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Um, I, I'm glad that he, he has a job in Auburn. He was originally from Mississippi. Yeah. Um, Worked mean, at Ole Miss Ole, until Ole he Miss resigned. Coach. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for him and his family uh, and Jill and their kids. But I, I think it, it is time for Liberty to move on from Hugh Freeze, uh, much to many's dismay. I'm worried about the transfers because Liberty has a lot of young talent, mainly my big three that I like a lot, Demario Douglas, Caden Salter, Jaday Hunter, that's a receiver, quarterback, running back, respectively. I'm worried about guys like them just being like, oh, okay, Hugh's gone. He was the guy who recruited me. He's the guy who brought me here. Why the heck would I stay? And just leaving. It's something that concerns me, but I think it's going to be – I think my concerns are a little overblown, and I think we're going to be fine in that scenario, but it's it's something to think about. It's also something to think about. about, You mentioned the coaching search and who they replaced. Liberty announced – that they would bring somebody in in around a week. Do you think it's going to be a big name or somebody off the staff? I want it to be someone off the staff, but I do think they, that they bring in someone else just for the namesake. Uh, like they're going to want someone who uh, knows the culture well, which is why I have prompted that they hire someone on the staff currently. Yeah. But again, I, I think they will bring in someone else from outside the school to continue the the traditions. Um, and restabilize uh, the culture that Hugh Freeze has implemented. It's going to be really interesting. And the two names I want are Nick Foles and Drew Brees. Liberty's known to hire Christians. Um, I, both I of would whom like are, to see that happen, but realistically. Both of whom are celebrities and in the media right now, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. But it'd be a ton of fun. Um, we, can, we can move from college football to NFL. Uh, I mean, we, we, we got some MVPs. You're right. We did talk about Drew Brees. That was a good transition, Ryan. I'm proud of you. Good job. Oh, voice crack. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to shut up about Hugh Freeze for a bit. 
we're going to move on to talk about the NFL MVP conversation. After these last two weeks, it's down to well, we're we're going we're really to two players. Yeah, but, but we're going to rank them into tiers, and tier one is true contenders, guys who could win it. If you pick either one, you're right. And it's down to two of them. It's down to Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. I, I or, yeah, I really don't think there's any more explanation needed. I think both quarterbacks have helped uh, their teams in different ways. I think Jalen Hurts has led the team to bigger and better things, while Patrick Mahomes uh, has assets, um, a little bit more assets than Jalen Hurts does. So I, I think that there's an argument to be made for what each quarterback has brought to the table as far as most valuable player. I, I think contract also plays into most valuable. But in, in what sense? For value. Like think about Halloween candy. Okay. Do you want quality or quantity? Depends on the kind of candy. Okay. So do you want a candy bar like a Hershey's candy bar for uh eight dollars or do you want a Hershey's candy bar for two dollars? Is it the same candy bar? I'd want it for two dollars. I want to say almost money. almost the same level. Almost. Almost the same level. They're like neck and neck. Like you, you got dark chocolate and milk chocolate. Almost the same level, but different prices. Wait, now I'm concerned. Which one do you think is better? I like milk chocolate. My girlfriend okay, likes cool. dark chocolate. But almost the same and you're level. Still neck and neck. together? Neck and neck. Yes. <laughs> Answer the question. Neck and neck. Neck and neck, okay. Do you want the one that for $8 or do you want the one for $2? $2. $2. I'll take the dark, dark chocolate for $2. I'm taking Jalen Hurts for $2 rather than Patrick Mahomes for $8. My th- my nitpick. J- Jalen Hurts is going to get paid this offseason. but no, without a doubt. I-, I do think I'm taking Jalen Hurts. I don't think you can factor in contract into the MVP conversation because the MVP is a – it is a – it's not an award that gives – it – it's not a front office award. I think it's, it shouldn't, I think it it's something that should be factored into the MVP I disagree wholeheartedly because that is giving credit to the front office for the MVP. And it's giving, like, it's part of the MVP pie, like, who deserves to win it. Part of that goes to the front office because they're like, oh, you did a great job keeping this guy on a rookie contract. Or you drafted well. Instead of your performance on the field is the reason you won this. But his performance on the field is... I agree, but the but the contract shouldn't be factored in because somebody could have a really bad contract and still have the best performance, and that shouldn't be taken away from them. Because mm. Patrick Mahomes, All right, I see your point. I see your point. So Pat, it's down to Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, who are the two, two of the three best teams in the NFL by record. The Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Eagles are all at nine wins or more. The Eagles are at 10-1 after their win over the Packers on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs are sitting pretty at number one in the AFC at 9-2. Vikings are sitting at 9-2, but Vikings will talk about them in a bit. So it's down to the Chiefs and the Eagles. And the MVP tends to go to the best player on the best team. And it's most often a quarterback's award. And Jalen Hurts, especially after his night last night, which we talked about at length earlier, is... It's between him and Patrick. Mahomes is easily, far and away, the best quarterback in the NFL. On one of the best teams in the NFL. Do you disagree? I believe the fifth. Okay. I want to know why. No. Okay. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs are going to win the AFC as it stands at the moment. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts, and they're going to win the NFC as it stands at the moment. And it's just down to the two of them. And whether you have one above the other... It is what it is, but right now they're neck and neck, and it is genuinely a race to the finish line to see who can have the least amount of mistakes. I would agree with that statement. But I, what I don't like, if we're going to move on to the on the bubble tier, how it has become pretty much a quarterback-only award. Well, yeah. And I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I, I think there are other players who need to get some recognition. So one of them being Tyree Kill. I think Tyreek Hill has been phenomenal for the Dolphins. I think Tyreek Hill has played bigger and better than he ever would on the Chiefs. As of right now, as it stands, he has 87 receptions for uh, well, 1,233 yards with four touchdowns. I think that is MVP caliber worthy. And I 
again, do not like the fact that it has become a uh, quarterback-only award in recent days. You know who else doesn't like that it's a quarterback-only award? Let me, let me guess. Michael Parsons? Yeah, yeah. Did, so Michael Parsons had a conversation with Dan Orlovsky for, from ESPN on Twitter, and Micah just straight up said, Dan, why is the MVP award quarterback-based? Tagged him. Orlovsky replies, because it's a flawed award that we give away. We've become very QB-obsessed because of all the talent and the young talent at the position. To the defense, they touch the ball on every play, so impact is naturally attached to that. You'll win one in your career at least, he says to Parsons. And I agree. This award should not be a quarterback-only award, which is why in this next year we have Tyreek Hill, who's a non-quarterback. But we also have a quarterback because the quarterback is the most important position in it, it, you could say it's the most important position out of any sport because if you have a bad quarterback in football, it matters more than if you have a bad pitcher mm. or if you have a bad goalkeeper or if you have a bad point guard. I think that matters way more than in any sport out there. Quarterback might be the most valuable out of the big major world sports. Mm. So it's, a, the most difficult, it's one of the most difficult positions. It is the most important position, which is why it becomes the most valuable position, the most valuable player. Which is why in our tier two, we have two players, Tyreek Hill and Josh Allen. Josh Allen's fallen off a bit. He's had a few rough weeks. He's had back-to-back wins on Ford Field in Detroit. First during the snowstorm. Second against the Lions on Thanksgiving where he played well, but not super well. And Tyreek Hill has been unconscious lately. He, him and Tua are on a separate level. He's far and away the, having the best season as a wide receiver this year, and they both and he needs to be in the conversation as at the very very least an honorable mention. Mm. We have one more tier to go. We got three tiers: genuine contenders, Jalen and Mahomes. Two, tier two is on the bubble, Tyreek and Josh Allen, and tier three is long shots. We have two quarterbacks and two non-quarterbacks. One of which we already mentioned is Micah Parsons, who is having one of the best defensive players ever, and I think he's going to run away with the Depoy Award. Number two is Justin Jefferson, who I can't even describe the feeling of watching him catch some of the catches he makes, or the feeling of watching him do some of the things he does on the field. And then we have two quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa and Geno Smith. Geno, I think, belongs in a tier of his own, right at tier four. But Tua's in there at tier three with Justin Jefferson and Micah Parsons. And I, I, well, I think Gino has a legitimate shot. I if, do too. If he performs, but the Seahawks did just lose. They, they did just lose, and it did not help his case. Tua has been lights out, so that's why I still have him uh, at the top of the tier three. Uh, but I think that Micah Parsons ultimately, uh, towards the bottom. I mean, this day and age, I gotta sneeze. Ugh. Michael Parsons, at this day and age, uh, it's rare that a defensive player will win most valuable player, um, maybe like Super Bowl MVP. But uh, that's, again, if the Cowboys make the Super Bowl, it's Eagles, not likely. Uh, Jay Jettis, uh, again, like what you said, he, he's been lights out for uh, the Vikings. He, he's just a freak athlete and someone that you cannot disregard in any way, shape, or form. And then uh, Geno Smith, yeah, they did lose, but I think Geno Smith has been what Russ, uh, I guess, is, is no longer. Geno Smith, I think the reason he's in, I would move him out of Tier 3 and put him in Tier 4. I think the reason he's being so good on the Seattle is less to his credit and more to the credit of the coaching staff because of he's doing things that Russ would never do, which is following orders. Geno Smith is the best quarterback that the Seahawks have had in a while because he's doing what Pete Carroll is asking. He is playing the system the way it's meant to be played, and he's the Seahawks are winning because of it. Well, I was just sad that like if many of these like years Geno Smith has been a backup, if like he was genuinely like a product yeah. of Pete Carroll. I can you imagine how much Geno Smith would be getting paid right now if like Geno Smith was as good as he was now as he was as backup. I think scheme fits is insanely important because we see it. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor was really good at Virginia Tech because he worked in that scheme. And then he goes uh, to the NFL, and he's a bum. I, I, again, I think scheme fit is huge uh, when it comes to uh, how they fit into the NFL team. 
Yeah, it absolutely is, and it makes or breaks young quarterbacks, and it makes or breaks better veteran quarterbacks. Now, uh, some QB prospects. Uh, there are many. Sorry, many QB prospects in the upcoming draft. Um, a lot of them, uh, big names: uh, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State; Bryce Young, Alabama. Uh, you also got Michael Penix Jr. Uh, out of Washington, who is flying up my draft board. Um, I've had uh, quite a shuffle in my draft rankings. Uh, I have Kelly Ringo sitting at number six um, on my board. I think Kelly Ringo uh, would be an absolute stud for the Raiders. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm purely thinking about the Raiders right now, but I, I'm, I'm trying to keep no, an open really? mind. No, really? I would I, never have guessed that. I think Kelly Ringo would completely nullify Travis Kelsey. So if the Raiders get Kelly Ringo, best case scenario right now for me. I would not be mad about Miles Murphy, but Miles Murphy is going to drop a bit, I think, um, especially since the fact that they're probably not going to make the college football playoffs. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr., you've convinced me. I think Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, is going to ride up some boards. I have him ranked at the uh, offensive tackle one right now. Can we just ahead walk, of Olu? Can we pause for a second and just rewind that last part where you said you convinced me? Yes, I, you you I'm left an impression. Celebrating in this moment, you left an impression in in my head. And over the past few weeks, I've been uh, keeping a keen eye on Paris Johnson Jr. and I think he will become a great addition uh, to any any NFL team. Uh, generational talent right there. Uh, and then Michael Penix Jr. Uh, has been great for Washington. I think, uh, again, they missed the playoffs. But I think Michael Penix Jr. Uh, will be ahead of Will Levis. Um, right now I have Michael Penix Jr. as my 11th-ranked prospect. The more I watch Levis, the less confident I get in his abilities as a pro. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is true for Spencer Rattler. And then there's uh, some other players. I got uh, Brian Breesey dropping quite a bit. Uh, we had him really, really, really high. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the year, just because uh, namesake, uh, we're watching film. Yes, you haven't heard his name, but that's also not a bad thing. If uh, he's making uh, any dips- disruption on the backfield, uh, I-, I think you won't hear his name a ton. Uh, he's getting double team, triple team at times, rarely triple teams. Uh, so he has not produced since his injuries. So until I see numbers, uh, he's going to continue to drop because yeah. there are other players that are looking for that top spot. So I mentioned Sp- Spencer Rattler in passing about like a minute or two ago, and it's just something I want to highlight. Like He's two straight victories back-to-back. I believe it was against two ranked opponents, and he forced the Gamecocks into that ranking all by his lonesome. And it's, he's had a really impressive go of it. Um, smoking a cigar in the locker room. I mean, I don't know if he he's nowhere near round one, mm. but I think he could be something, and he definitely is on the right trajectory. I, I right now, I think Spencer Rattler is sitting at like a mid fourth to late sixth. I'm thinking. I was thinking third or fourth. I I think that's a little generous. There, there's think, a lot of other prospects I'd be I'd you, much rather have over Spencer Rattler. Do you think if you're a team like? Who would be the type of team to take a chance on a guy like him? It say type of team to take a chance. Like the Ra- like Rattler. if the Raiders had that pick and he was available in like the f- I would not pick Spencer Rattler. Fourth or fifth round. I would still not pick Spencer Rattler. Okay. Why is that? I think the inconsistency, like there there's a reason he transferred. Mm-hmm. And the entire season he's been trying to prove himself of why Jalen Hurts uh, transferred as well. He's worthy. He transferred to Oklahoma. And he looked really good. And he won a Heisman. And Spencer Rattler is looking really good. He has his becoming. It's coming on later. Spencer Rattler's not winning a Heisman. It's becoming on later, but he's definitely up there. Not yet. Not yet. All right. If if he wants to, he's only what a sophomore, junior. He's a junior. He. I I think Spencer Rattler would benefit from another year. Granted, that that's not a great look for quarterbacks because you want them young. Uh, but Spencer Rattler would absolutely benefit from another year in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, other than that, Jared Verse, uh, I was texting you during the Florida State-Florida game. Yeah, you were. And Jared Verse, yes, he didn't, like, put up an impressive stat line, but he, he was in the backfield almost every single play, and he was getting double-teamed consistently. So, obviously, it's I think it's someone to watch uh, in the coming months. I think he will be lights out at the combine. I think Jared Verse has a great uh, combination of power and speed 
the NFL teams will uh, desire and look out for. Um, right now, I'm not really sure where to put Nolan Smith. Obviously, he was out for the rest of the season with that torn pec muscle against Florida. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I did see Jared Verse get hurt. Uh, he did not come back in late. Uh, I have not checked up on that recently. But uh, he, he's sitting at number 27 for me. Uh, and I, I will probably move him up a little bit higher in the coming days after watching more. Two, uh, two guys we want to highlight before moving out of here that are not going to be in this year's class, but they're definitely going to be numbers one and two in next year. It's going to be a fun race to see who can get them. It is Caleb Williams, quarterback for USC, and Drake May, the quarterback for... All right. I would actually be okay if the Raiders tanking for Drake May. <laughs> you like him that much? I, I love Drake May as a prospect. It's it's definitely going to be interesting. The North Carolina quarterback is number seven, according to Fox Sports, in the Heisman watch, whereas Caleb Williams, who I am very high on, is number two. Who's number one right now? CJ Stroud, according to of Fox course. Sports, which was posted one day ago. Which I eh, I don't I don't know if I agree. CJ Stroud is no longer my favorite, just just because he lost to Michigan. Wow. Uh, Max Duggan, the quarterback from Michigan, is on their board as well. Um, where's he? I believe he was at number three. Or no, no, Blake. They have Blake Corum from the Michigan running back at number three, and then um, the TCU quarterback Max Duggan is at number five. I got things mixed up. Jeez. But it's going to be really interesting to see. It come, it's going to come down to the wire for the Heisman, and I, I don't think it's going to be Stroud, and I also don't think he's going to be quarterback one. I, I was just frustrated with, like, th- this was his chance to prove himself. And, and he's fine. Th- th- yeah, this is how he performed. Right. The the only other teams he played that were ranked were Notre Dame when they were actually uh, at number five. Obviously, they're, like, sitting at, like, 12 now or whatever. Uh, and then Penn State, they won 44-31. to And Penn State's defense uh, is – Eight. I won't say mid. They're eight, and then Michigan. They lost uh, forty-five to twenty-three. So, I, I think against a stout defense, CJ Stroud has found his flaws. I don't agree wholeheartedly, but I think that he's not the prospect everybody chalked him up to be. It's going to be interesting to see where guys like Kuiper. Well, I- I'm glad him. we have this game so we could actually see him play right. a good team. Yeah, and he didn't do well. Yes. It was rough, and it was not what you want to see from him. So, now what? Do you, what, do you want for, what do you want to see from CJ Stroud to get him back up your rankings? I think CJ Stroud has to ball out in uh, college football playoffs if uh, he wants to win the Heisman because it's announced right before uh, national championship, right? Right, but the— is it regular season or is it? Do they can they include the playoffs in how they view? Somebody? I think it's slightly unfair if they include playoffs, but I, I believe they do include the playoffs. Caleb for, Williams, for a small portion. Fox Sports has him at two. He's my pick. I love that guy. I love watching his game. I love how he plays. He made he did a Heisman celebration on the field after the game. I'm, I'm high on Caleb Williams, and I think uh, I I think you're right on the money there. Caleb Williams has been really good for USC, and it was not a team I was really particularly high on at the beginning of the year. Um, so I, I, I would not disagree with you there. I, I like Caleb Williams. I would not be disappointed if they won. All right, let's move off of some college stuff, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Philly Sports Shakedown. Welcome back. Ryan, it is time for the Philly Sports Shakedown. I am so excited. My favorite part of the show is five to ten minutes about just our biases and talking about Philly and loving it. The Philadelphia 76ers, we'll start with them, have won two straight in Orlando after going in and defeating the Magic on their home court on the 25th and the 27th. Last night was the 27th, which, you know, because today's the 28th, but... The math. hospital 76ers. No, that's not math. That's time. Time. Time is a construct and time it's not is real. Math. Um, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey are still out with injury. No news yet as to when they're returning. Joel should be returning soon-ish. Maxey and Harden should be with back in two to three weeks, give or take. D- due time. Due time. They'll be back in time. 
But since then, Shake Milton has taken over. Him and Paul Reed are just running this team. Shake Milton, since starting, according to StatMuse, 22.3 points per game, 7.0 rebounds, 6.5 assists per game, 57, 53, and 93. So that's from the floor, from three, and from the free throw line in, the, in four games. He's been incredible. In his last five games, 27 points, 20, 16 points, 22, 24, 29, 6, 6, 7, 9, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 assists, 9 assists, 10 assists, 7 assists. He was one rebound away from a triple-double two games ago mm-hmm. and after shooting 54%. Yet last night he had 29 points, his season high, shooting 77%. Mm. Go it, you, off. You can't really ask any more out of him. No. I mean, it, he was supposed to be a bench player. Well, this is uh, exactly what you want to see when you're starting point guard comes out and your bench unit can just carry you, carry you like this. Absolutely. And someone else that's shown up for the Sixers, Paul Reed. Oh, man. He's been great. B-ball Paul in the last two games, six points then 12 points, but that's not what he's there for. In this, in Friday night's win against Orlando, he had seven rebounds, and he fouled out, but he had, he, he had a good game on the defensive end. And then last night, 13 rebounds, two blocks, sent Bull Bull to the shadow realm. Mm-hmm. On a play, twelve points. He had nineteen rebound, nineteen points, and ten rebounds in the win against Brooklyn that gave everybody in Philly free chicken nuggets. Yeah, and I, I certainly love his physicality, and it certainly reminds me of his G League MVP days. Yeah, seriously, it's been great. Did you get your chicken nuggets? Were you home for that? I, I was not. Okay, so for those who don't know, the Sixers have a promotion for home games that's called Brickin' for Chicken. Where I still liked Wendy's better. It's it's fine. Where if any player misses two free throws in the second half, any opposing player, then Chick-fil-A gives everybody who has the Chick-fil-A app free chicken nuggets in the Philadelphia area. I had my Ben Simmons nuggets after he missed two free throws. <laughs> Some of the best chicken nuggets I've ever tasted. I was going to say, do they taste sweeter? They were excellent chicken nuggets. I got them when I was running errands, getting stuff ready for my girlfriend's birthday. But it was some excellent chicken and I had a great time. Sixers, the hospital Sixers are looking good. But it does lead to a question. Is Doc still in the hot seat when the starters come back? Because it's been impressive to watch this bench unit take over and carry the team and keep them around 500. Currently, they're sitting at a pretty okay spot in the NBA standings. I believe last I checked, now they're sitting at 6. They're 11-9 and after winning the last two games against Orlando. Uh, as the days move on, I'm growing more and more concerned the fact that they won't fire Doc Rivers. I am too, and it's the better we are, the more concerned I get about our coaching situation, which is not something that you usually see from a team like, oh, if a team does good, coach probably gets some of the credit. Like, congrats, coach, you're, doing, you're having a good time. That's not the case. It's not the case because I'm worried that it's just going to be bad. Like, I, J- Doc is just starting to really, really – concern me in the fact that he's not going to get fired and then he'll show his flaws again in the playoffs and we'll keep him and all right well if he loses straight out in the playoffs again i i do think this might be his final year i agree but i want them to well be- i i want this to be his final year I'm, I'm not entirely sure how the uh internal discussions have gone in a perfect world we would fire him and replace him with sam cassell this the fact that this team is at 500, or well now 550, with five games behind Boston in race for the one seed. It worries me, it really does, and I'm want, and I hope that Daryl can see through the recent wins and see the fact that this is the team carrying and not the coaching. But it's time to move on from Doc and also from this conversation about the Sixers. We got two quick points about the Eagles, and then we'll let y'all get out of here. Um, Jordan Davis, Eagles nose tackle, who they took in the first round. The rookie has been out for three weeks. He has been or four weeks. He's been el- he's now eligible to come back. The Eagles signed Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue. What does next week look like for the Birds up front? I think up front, uh, if Jordan Davis is actually able to come back, um, I- I'm really hopeful. Uh, that we can muster out a win against the Titans. Uh, obviously, going up against someone like Derrick Henry is no small feat. Uh, Derrick Henry will have a usual field day. Um, but I think 
that the birds have a tough challenge ahead of them, and if they're able to meet the challenge, uh, I, I would be more than happy uh, to see them add another W. Yes, we really struggled against the run, especially against the Packers. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both got a touchdown. Dude, they just had their way yeah, against the Eagles. they did. And it's not okay. Everybody has. Jonathan Taylor did. Dillon did. And I'm really scared going up against King Henry. And if we do not have Jordan Davis back at full strength, I don't think we can hold him under 100 yards. It'll be interesting to see for sure. And I love Jordan Davis, and some people did not like the fact that the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis. He's been an excellent pick. I saw, like, D-plus grades, but I, I think Jordan Davis has been phenomenal for the Eagles. I do, too. I think, he's sur- I think he surpassed every metric and every idea of what he could have been. And now the Birds are going to see if they can win. The uh, Saints pick, which is still up in the air, which is a lovely, lovely thing. Is now sitting at a a nice a nice little pretty place with um, number seven, where we could take another player same, similar to where it was last season. It hasn't changed much, but we need the Saints to start losing some more, so we can get a little bit higher. Ideally, get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, or maybe Kelly Ringo, who you want the Raiders to take, but the Raiders don't have the pick till number ten. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little scared that uh, Kelly Ringo will surge up some people's boards and uh it won't be there for the Raiders he looks good Cam Smith who is his biggest competition from South Carolina had it's not looked as good he's falling down my board in particular but we'll see how that all goes we will keep you updated thank you all for joining us today at the AP Sports Theory Podcast episode number 14 remember to go like rate review subscribe follow us on the socials we will be getting more out on there and thank you all for joining us and have a wonderful day